Hey y'all, I'm Casey Bell of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Hello, Burned In Teachers, and happy 2019. I'm so, so excited to bring season two of the Burned In Teacher podcast to you. This is episode 16. Today on the podcast, I have my edu hero, Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And let me tell you, I am clearly beside myself with excitement as we chat. Matt Miller is an educator, author of two books, blogger and speaker. He has taught for more than a decade in public schools and has presented to thousands of educators all over the United States. Now, this interview with Matt is kicking off something new for the Burned In Teacher Podcast. What I'm going to try for the next couple of months is having a theme based on feedback that I've gotten from burned out teachers about what it is that is frustrating them and burning them out. So each month, we're going to have a different theme. This month, clearly, educational technology. Next month will be administration is burning me out. And the following month, I'm looking at time management or productivity. These are all things that you have told me are things that are burning you out and that you need help with. So each month, you'll hear a combination of interviews with burned out teachers on that topic, experts, and I will go solo to share my own experiences as well. If you have an idea for a topic that I should cover during a month of 2019, email me at support at burnedinteacher.com and let me know what it is that you're struggling with. And maybe I'll even have you on the podcast to tell your story. Now, educational technology tends to be something that frustrates and overwhelms a lot of teachers. And because my educational journey was influenced so much by educational technology, I thought this would be a great way to kick off 2019 and season two of the podcast. I also have to admit a little selfishly that I just couldn't wait to interview Matt and get his episode out here. So we're going to start today with chatting with Matt Miller about his journey from working at a newspaper to becoming a high school Spanish teacher, and also how when he wrote the book Ditch That Textbook, it was not really a play on words. He literally ditched his textbooks with his students in the middle of a lesson, and he's going to share that story with us. You're also going to hear me share about how Matt's book saved my career in education, And finally, you're going to hear him share five ways that you can begin to not just ditch that textbook, but five ways I've come up with that you can ditch that burnout. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Matt Miller. I am so, so excited to introduce you listeners to my edu hero, Matt Miller from ditchthattextbook.com and the Google Teacher Tribe. Thank you so, so much for taking time out to let me interview you today, Matt. 
Oh my goodness. I'm thrilled. I may be just as thrilled as you. This is, this is one I've been looking forward to. So I'm, I'm excited about it too. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You flatter me. And I also should add too, fellow Hoosier. Right. Uh, yes. We both are from Indiana. I'm from Northern Indiana and you are from Central. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would love to hear your story, Matt, on how you got to where you are right now with Ditch That Textbook. Can you share with us a little bit of your teaching journey, kind of take us back in time and help us to kind of see wh- how you got from, you know, where you were to where it is that uh, that you are now? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And, you know, my journey very much is an example of the burned out teachers. So, um you know, I started off, actually, I got into education kind of uh, accidentally. I was a journalism major and not an education major. Um, so I went to college to, to get into newspapers, and I did for a little while right after college and absolutely hated it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I um, was covering county government and really, really just didn't like having to ask all the tough questions and go to all the meetings and all of that stuff. And I realized that the thing that got me into journalism was helping other writers. And I thought, wait a second, that's teaching. So I went back to school, um, was in my first uh, class of students uh, in less than a year after I uh, graduated with a journalism degree. I was on an emergency teaching permit, wasn't even licensed yet. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was totally, totally unprepared. But I learned a lot as I went. And later on, I think it, it ended up being a good thing that I... I wasn't really totally entrenched in the traditions that I think a lot of teachers are when they come out of um, teaching college. So anyway, got into teaching for a little while. For maybe four or five years or so, I was teaching real traditionally, um, textbooks, workbooks, worksheets. And I um, I started to realize something after those few years is that the I was teaching high school Spanish. And the students in my high school Spanish classes, I started to realize, couldn't speak Spanish, mm-hmm. which is kind of a problem if you're trying to teach them Spanish. You know, you want them to be able to speak the Spanish, and mine weren't able to. I started to realize that my textbooks were almost more of a stumbling block than they were a resource and a help. So I just started weaning myself off of them little by little and trying other stuff. And it was right around then that I got connected on Twitter too. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, we were talking about things that saved our teaching career. I think that Twitter and the people that I saw there and the ideas that I got there totally, totally saved my teaching career. And, um, so basically I started learning new ideas, uh, getting connected with other people and trying things in my classroom. And little by little, I used my textbook less and less Mm -hmm. until eventually it was just time to do away with it. And um, I remember very clearly there was one particular day where I was teaching very traditionally back, kind of reverted back to my old ways. And I looked out at my students and there was this sheer boredom on their face. And I just looked at them and I thought, you know what? I can't do this any longer. Mm -hmm. I didn't plan on doing this that morning when I got there. But in that moment, I just said, everybody grab your textbooks. Just grab your textbooks. And they all came to the back of the room and we put them in these great big wooden cabinets in the back of my room. And in that moment, I kind of felt like that was my Cortez sinking the ships moment. (laughs) when Hernan Cortez came over to Mexico to conquer it. Mm -hmm. And he put the ships at the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico so that they wouldn't be able to go back. And I thought, this is is my moment to do that. Did you share that analogy with your students? 
I did not. I was, <laughs> I was so totally like, I don't know. It was, it was such a, not like a moment of chaos, but a moment of uncertainty so much so that I was just trying to survive at that point. Right. Um, it wasn't because I had a solid plan in place. It was kind of an emotional reaction to me not teaching in the way that my heart desired. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought teaching is so much better than this. That it's got it. There's got to be more to it than this. And I was just trying to find it. And that was my big leap. So anyway, long story short, I tried more and more things. My, my story is basically one of experimentation. It was almost like my classroom was my science lab and my students were my subjects and I was doing experiments all day, every day. And I watched to see what would work. And if it didn't work, I didn't consider it a failure. I considered it a data point. First attempt in learning, right? First attempt in learning. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so I would learn from my failures, if you could call them that. And the things that succeeded, I kind of reverse engineered them to figure out what succeeded. And I just continued to build little by little by little. And um, never at any point did I have it totally figured out. But do we uh, ever though, Matt, do we ever have everything figured out? No, I don't think that we do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I know that I never did. And If I ever, you know, on my blog or on Twitter or anything like that, if I ever, um, you know, made people believe that maybe I did have everything figured out, um, I definitely didn't. Technology, working with technology, especially educational technology, you know, also, even when you feel like you've got it all figured out, things change, right? Yeah. And then you have to, you have to learn the workarounds or you have to learn a new way. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, it, It is. And, um. You know, I, I really think in many ways teaching is a is an exercise in adaptation, you know, mm-hmm. and so true. trying to trying to keep up with things. You don't have to keep up with everything, I don't think. And you don't have to know like all of the newest gadgets and apps and methods and everything. You got to find what works, but you also yes. have to be willing to roll with the punches a little yes, bit. Yes, so true. I'm going to ask you a couple questions about, you know, you going through this entire story of experimentation. So you said the one day you decided to just have the kids stack the books back in those cabinets and then you tried things. Can you take us back and and tell us about one of those first things that you tried? Yes, absolutely. So um, for me, one of my biggest leaps was going to teaching Spanish in a more conversational way Mm -hmm. because, you know, for years and years, even when I was in school, you know, what had been done to me was a lot of verb conjugation drills and long vocabulary lists and, um, worksheets and all of that stuff. And for some reason that just doesn't produce fluent speakers of Spanish. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I decided I was going to learn about this conversational way of teaching Spanish. Um, there was a seminar, uh, like a three-day seminar nearby that I went to. And even when I came back to school, I still wasn't exactly sure how I was going to do it. And so this was not too long after I had ditched the textbooks. And um, I, I just kind of jumped in and tried it. And it was a lot of take some of your vocabulary, take some of those, you know, grammar concepts we had just learned and turn them into a story and help your students create the story on the fly. It kind of reminds me of that whole um, analogy of building the plane as you're falling to the ground. (laughs) If you've ever heard of that, Mm -hmm. 
that's yep. kind of the way that we built the the stories together. And it created a lot of uh, sort of spontaneous use of the language in the moment and lots of repetitions. And it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were lots of crash and burn moments where the story didn't take off or the kids just weren't feeling it that day. And um, so it was, it was kind of like I knew that was what I needed in the moment, but it made me feel really uncomfortable to try to do all of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was still willing to, to give it a shot. And that, that was probably one of the biggest things. It was, it was a little bit of a calculated risk, but, um, it ended up being a lot of fun and, and really rewarding in the end. Clearly very rewarding for yourself and for your students. So I have to go back to that, the mission of this podcast and, and ask you that, you know, after four or five years of teaching very traditionally with those textbooks, do you feel like when you decided to put those textbooks away, do you feel like you were going through a season of burnout there where you either had to make a big change or things were just not going to work out for you in the classroom? Um, oh, yes. Forgive me if I'm making an assumption here, but oh. there, it sounds oh. it sounds very uh, burnout-esque, <laughs> if mm-hmm. you will. Can you yes. tell us a little bit about how that felt and, and maybe conversations you had or what kind of things were going through your mind and, and, and what you mm-hmm. were doing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember very clearly um, there in that season of life, I was teaching, I had, you know, four preps a day, you know, which meant like four separate classes to, to prepare for every day. Um, it was, I was still sort of struggling to, to find my way on what my teacher voice was, like who I wanted to be and what my class was going to be, what the identity of it was. I was struggling with that, but I was also coaching. I was a high school swim coach for five years. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that was two hour practices every night and a practice on Saturday and lots of meets and everything. And so I was seriously burning the candle at both ends as far as time commitment at school. At that point, I had um, two little teeny tiny daughters and eventually a son on the way. And, um, you know, my time management was awful. Um, I was under the impression that if I worked harder and I worked longer, that the results would improve. And that wasn't necessarily the case. And I got to a point during all of that where I started to think, A, am I in this for the teaching or am I in this for the coaching? That's how low the teaching part had gotten. Mm -hmm. And I felt some serious guilt with that too, because I knew that if I got into education that, you know, teaching was kind of the moral high ground. Teaching was the reason that I should have gotten into it, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure what I, my heart really truly loved. And so I, and then I started thinking, is it time to get out of education? Maybe this was a mistake in the first place. And so that was kind of my low burnout moment and my the the moment that that I think things started to turn around for me was I went to a conference and was able to do a presentation there. This was real early on. I'd maybe done one conference presentation other than that, but I was kind of interested in all of it. And the conference had a, a Twitter hashtag 
Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with, you know, using Twitter and all of that. And so, um, that was my first connection to the fact that there is this world out there of other teachers and of ideas I can use in class and philosophies about education, some of which rub up against and push back against what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people who had totally different directions on how they were going in education. Um, you know, sometimes, but, but all of that I found was like this breath of fresh air where mm-hmm. I felt like I was by myself. I was being suffocated. I was just struggling and stuck in a rut. I'm going to mix all of my analogies together right mm-hmm. now. But nope. It's yeah. all true. It's all, <laughs> all real. Mm-hmm. All of those things. And that was my lifeblood and my breath of fresh air that, that kind of pulled me out of that moment. I love it because I have a similar connection to that. Um, When I went to, I've talked about this so many times because people bring up Twitter all the time as something that saved them. Um, Went to Dave Hotler's session at the Google Summit in Franklin. And I, yeah, I walked out feeling like I cannot, I was mad at myself. I cannot believe all of this stuff has been happening and I it's my fault. Why was I never on there? Because yep. he just showed us all of these. He showed us, of course, how to use handles and hashtags. And then he'd introduced us to all these people. And I'm like, I had no idea. Like you said, this whole world of inspiration and people that are on fire. Mm-hmm. This is what I needed. This is what I needed. Um, so, so who was it that you started following on Twitter that helped to light that fire? You know, I started with people in my state. Mm-hmm. So Indiana educators, I got plugged into our state e-learning hashtag, I-N-E-Learn. Yep. And so a lot of the folks in my state became my my rock stars and my edu heroes. Um, and then after that, I just continued to – I didn't realize it, but I was curating my Twitter feed mm-hmm. in that whenever I would find someone whose ideas inspired me or who I wanted to be a little bit more like, I would follow them. And then their tweets would show up in my Twitter feed. And I always, I always compare it to, it's almost like a, a like moment to moment newspaper filled with articles about people that are exactly like you. And so, yeah. So then from there, you know, I started to get connected to, to people all over the country and all Mm -hmm. over the world, you know, some that were edu famous and had written books, some that were just like me in the classroom, toiling away day by day with not very many Twitter followers, but a heart full of ideas that we wanted to try. Mm-hmm. And that's that's who I started filling my feed up with. And so I would see, I would go to my school and I would walk the hallway and I would see a handful of teachers, some of which had a little bit of fire in them like me, but a lot of which were just kind of, you know, slogging through day to day. But then I would open up Twitter and I would walk down my Twitter feed and I would see the stream of all of these people on fire and that would light me on fire and get me going. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate. And I can tell you, uh, and if you know me listeners, you know that I am a huge Twitter fan, but I will tell you, Matt Miller is one of the first people I followed. And I, <laughs> I got a lot of my ideas and inspiration from you. I read your book when I was going through burnout. I highlighted things and circled things and was, I could not wait for school to start that summer. Wow. That it, I will tell you. And that was coming from, that is coming from one of my worst rounds of burnout I've ever experienced in my life. I would, I would even classify it as depression. Wow. Like, it, it, and see, I think that's a, a perfect example of how when you live, your educational journey, when you live your educational journey out loud 
on Twitter and online, then you never know who you're inspiring and who you can reach. Even if you don't have enough followers to make it matter or anything, you know, people are still watching and they're listening and you can be that inspiration. And I did, I had no idea, you know, Mm -hmm. I had no idea that I was impacting you Mm -hmm. and now it's your turn because you're probably doing the same thing to somebody else that you don't know about. And that's that beautiful, you know, ongoing cycle of all of this thing. Right. And I mean, and that's all I can hope for is that I can return the favor that that people like you and Casey Bell have done for me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, following you two, and then of course, listening to you on the Google Teacher Tribe, when that came out, I was so excited <laughs> um, that I could not just read your blogs, but that I could listen to you to talk because you, you two seriously had a huge impact on my view of education and my view on my control of what happened within my classroom. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I can only hope to pay it forward that way for someone else by me sharing that story of going right. from burned out to burned in, which is where burned in teacher came from. Yeah. So I have to ask you this because Matt, you and I have in common a couple of other things besides living in Indiana. We are both Google certified educators, trainers, mm-hmm. and innovators. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask you this too. When you were going through that story of experimentation with your students and you were trying all of these things, did Google for education tools play an important role in that for you? Oh my goodness, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um I was one of those people at my school where we didn't have um Google Apps or G Suite officially. You know, we weren't a Google for Education school yet. But I, I kind of went rogue and created some <laughs> Gmail accounts, right? Yes. And um, I was able to, to squeeze some of those um, Google Drive type activities and docs and slides and all of that to, over to my students before they actually had access to it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> you didn't yeah. ask for permission, though. You just waited to maybe possibly apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes, that's true. And I'm not like 100% always a fan of ask for forgiveness instead of permission. I think that's not always perfectly the case, but in this case it, it, it worked. Yes. So, but yeah, it was, it was, it's been instrumental to me, just the ability to get kids together to collaborate and to create, and it's all free and it's all very user-friendly mm-hmm. accessible anywhere. You know, it's all of that, all of that stuff that yes, they have been instrumental for, for me and my educational career. So when did you decide to become a Google certified educator? Uh, you know, um, I applied to the, the first thing I, I ever did was um, apply to the Innovator Academy. Okay. And so, yeah, that happened in 2014. And so it was my first time applying for that. And um, I know a lot of people, whenever they apply to be an innovator, at that point, by the way, it was still called Google Certified Teacher. You know, they hadn't rebranded it yet. And um, and they called it the Google Teacher Academy. And I knew a lot of people applied for the Google Teacher Academy and didn't get in. And so, you know, I, I did the best that I could on my application and was fortunate to be one of the about 52 or so that got to go to Austin, Texas mm-hmm. for three days there. And, um, you know, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect. It was, um, I thought maybe it would be the most amazing conference that I ever went to, uh-huh. you know, that kind of thing. But it turned out, it, and it was amazing, but it turned out that the, and I know whenever people talk about this, this is almost getting kind of cliche, but the connections that I made there, um, the people that I met, and it wasn't so much that that three day thing changed my life as knowing these people and then calling on them later. Mm. I, I didn't see the true ripple effect of it until years later. And now here I am, uh, having 
started a podcast with one of my, um, you know, with one of my Google teacher Academy Mm -hmm. fellows and, um, having interacted and collaborated with several of them. And, um, so that was, that was definitely, and that, I think that that started to open my eyes being connected Mm -hmm. to all those people started to open my eyes to what some of these Google tools could do. Um, and of course it wasn't so much the Google tools as it was how people were using them. Absolutely. I remember one more quick thing on this, having a conversation with a few people and saying, you know, some of these things that that I'm doing in my classroom don't really feel all that innovative. And, um, but people are like, you know, when I share them on my blog, people are like, oh, this is amazing stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that just goes to show that sometimes we don't realize how cool something is that we're doing and how useful and helpful it can be to other people. I think everybody's got a story and everybody's got ideas that are worth sharing. And sometimes we don't because we downplay them in our own minds. I 100% agree with that. You know, we we live in our own head. We live in our own space. And sometimes we make the assumption that everybody's doing this. Right. You know, everybody's doing these things. Everybody is is seeking this uh, this resource, or you know, and and it's we're not. We're everybody thinks differently. Uh, you know, and everybody has their own take on things. And so I'm I'm so glad you decided to start sharing this stuff just in abundance of of what it is that you have done with with students in your classroom. Can you tell us what your project was that you pitched for Innovator? I let's see. It was, if I remember correctly, the project was, and it was something that I just dreamed up on the spot right there, because that's the way that it was when I went through it. And it was something to do with providing professional development. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when people go through that, that's probably like a ton of the people that go through are like, I have this innovative idea for professional development. It's going to be personalized and it's going to be this and that. Mm -hmm. And I bet the people who run the the academies are probably like, this sounds like everybody else's projects, (laughs) which is not necessarily a bad thing because that's all good stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's not like totally, totally different. Well, I got back from Google Teacher Academy and I didn't do a doggone thing with my project. Mm. But... Not too long after we got back, Casey Bell and I, Casey Bell from Mm shakeuplearning.com, and I both started saying, hey, we talked at the Innovator Academy about collaborating on something. What do you think about a podcast? And so – we, we started the the wheels in motion. Um, we hired a producer who um, whose name is Chris Nessie. He mm-hmm. runs the uh, House of Ed Tech podcast and is kind of like – he said that some people call him the pod father. Yeah, yeah. I could – I he's definitely I, – yeah. I couldn't think of a better word to describe him. He really is, especially in the education podcast world. Right. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. agree. And so that kind of ended up being my de facto uh, project for the Innovator Academy was the the podcast. And thankfully, mm-hmm. it's still hanging strong in its third season right now. Yeah. And it's excellent. If you have not listened to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, I am telling you, especially if you're looking for innovative ideas and dynamic learning experiences, as Casey calls them, mm-hmm. then that is the podcast for you. I listen in every week. I actually have a link to their episodes on my G Suite 123. A Google site that I put together for teachers. It's excellent content and you share everything. I mean, your show notes are just incredible. So you, you're doing a really great job with that. I appreciate that. Sometimes I feel like the show notes are a hot mess of a bunch of stuff we threw together as we were talking about the episode. No, but. because you have to, as you're, as I listen when I drive, you know, people listen when they're running or doing groceries or whatever. And 
so many times when you listen to things, you're afraid of forgetting or losing it. You don't have to worry about that with your podcast. You have everything there. All you have to do is listen or go to the website and scroll down and it's all right there for you. And and I love too that you share other people's resources as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's been really important to us. Um, and then whenever we have guests on, we're always looking for a wide variety of people, especially the the people that maybe you haven't heard about in the the Twitter world as much. Or mm-hmm. um, you know, we're trying to to get a diverse set of voices out there with with a bunch of of cool ideas. And we always try and make it really practical too, yeah. giving teachers things that they can use class tomorrow. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of your tagline at the beginning too. So, and it's very evident that that's your mission. So you guys do a great job with that. Thanks. So, uh, so you've kind of told us about your journey, uh, through, you know, becoming a a teacher and then, so how long were you in the classroom? Because you've recently made a transition and I have to Mm -hmm. say too, your innovator project started out as something that had to do with, with professional development. You said you never touched it, but really Matt, it sounds like you just... (laughs) pivoted a little bit and that ended up coming back around because this is your job now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how long you taught and then that transition into being Matt Miller lead textbook ditcher at Ditch That Textbook. It's kind of a mouthful, isn't it? It is. It is very hard to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I never thought of it that way, but, but you're, you're totally right. So, um, I taught for 11 years, high school Spanish, um, all levels, Spanish one through advanced placement Spanish, um, at little tiny schools in West central Indiana, like graduating class of 32, like Mm -hmm. that size. Like we have a drive your tractor to school day type of size. Hey, I had one of those in my high school. Sweet. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you get it then. I do. And, um, so what happened was after I wrote the book, um, not too long after that, I started to get more and more opportunities to do some, uh, presentations, uh, around the country, which was exciting. Um, and then I basically booked all of my vacation days for the next year, my, my like personal days off to go do these presentations, but they kept coming. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I kind of looked at each other and we're going, you know what? We're going to have to start saying no to everything or start saying yes to everything. And so we picked yes. I got mm-hmm. a one-year unpaid leave for my teaching job. So if this totally blew up, I could come back and start teaching again. And um, – Thankfully, it didn't. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this is that, A, I get to meet teachers all around the country and give them these practical ideas as much as possible. But then, B, what that also means is that it gives me the time whenever I'm at home to create all of these free re- resources that I can share with people. So I can create posts on my blog and I can create videos and we can pull in guest bloggers who can share their ideas and create the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. And mm-hmm. so the the byproduct of getting to do some of these presentations all over the country is that whenever I'm not doing that, I can make stuff that teachers love. And so that really is my jam right now Mm -hmm. is, you know, going around and talking to people and sharing those ideas and then coming back on the blog. And I, I kind of feel like the, the blog is the first draft on anything that I create beyond that, you know, like books and podcasts and videos and all of that stuff all kind of spring from the blog. That's like the first stop out of my brain is onto the blog. Yeah. And it's excellent too. And I love what I love about the setup of your blog, because I have done this recently, not even as a, as a full-time classroom teacher, 
is you go to ditchthattextbook.com. You, you're there on the blog. You can actually search by topic. Mm-hmm. So if there's something that you want to to learn specifically about, and I'll just go to your Swiss Army Army knife, I'll just you type in Google Slides, it will bring up all of the blog posts that that he has written about how to use Google Slides in a mm-hmm. different, more innovative way, and it, mm-hmm. it's such an extremely helpful and free resource. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. So just so grateful that that you've had the time to do that. And I'm so, so excited for you and happy for you with your success with with Ditch That Textbook because it really is a game changer. I can tell you from experience. Thanks. And, you know, um, I don't say this as a uh, like pat on the back thing, but as an encouragement to others, it really has been a an exercise in persistence mm-hmm. uh, because I started I started blogging on a free WordPress.com blog back in 2012, and here we are almost you know six years after that. Um, there are I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 posts on my blog now and all sorts of different pages I've created for different presentations I've gone to and various other things. And um, it's been basically I've just committed to whether I have something to say or not, I will publish every week. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, it was twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, and I was going to write something. It was going to be 500 words at minimum, and I was just going to write something. I was going to share something. And the funny thing is, sometimes the things that I struggled to come up with that I didn't think were that good of ideas were the ones that really took off. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> and, because you're living inside of your own head. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. And then some of the things that I thought were going to be totally amazing were things that people couldn't care less about. But that's okay. Yeah, well, and you sometimes have to wonder too, if those things that you're really excited about, you're excited about them because you are in, you're at that level of Mm -hmm. your excitement. Like this is how Mm -hmm. you've come from a different place. You are at that level where for you, this is really exciting. But for other people who are just starting out, because I can tell you this from experience, things that I used to think were untouchable that I would never be able to do. And and some things I have learned how to do, some things are still things that I'm still like – learning how to approach like for example autocrat yep, yeah I love that I think that's a great that's a great goal <laughs> but you know you you just you are where you are and when you know better you do better you know that's Maya Angelou so mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. just one of those things that you you do the best that you can with what you have where you are so you started blogging in 2012 when did you publish ditch that textbook that was in 2015 okay Yep. And that was the summer that I read that book. Actually, no, I'm sorry. That's a lie. I read the book the summer of 2016 into 17. And I was so fired up. This was, I was blogging already about my burnout and my use of ed tech and in the classroom and how it was helping me. Uh, So can you share with people? Because what I loved about this book is that you broke the word ditch into Uh. an acronym So can you tell people before we jump off here today, what does DITCH stand for? Yes, I I certainly can. Um, I'll let you in on a little secret too. Mm -hmm. The acronym didn't come until after I'd written most of the chapters of the book and was getting ready to do the introduction and conclusion as the last pieces. That's awesome. So yeah, there you go. A little behind the scenes story there. Um, Yeah, so DITCH. D-I-T-C-H, D stands for different. You know, for me, it just felt like so often my students saw the same thing day after day after day, class after class. You know, these high school kids would go um, to seven different classes and a lot of it would feel the same. I thought if I can just break out and do something different, that Mm -hmm. could be huge. 
I stands for innovative, which I realize is kind of like different, but in some ways it's kind of not. Um, I love George Kuros's definition of innovation. Um, he says it should be something new, either through invention, where you create something brand new, like a brand new lesson idea you've never seen anyplace else, mm-hmm. or iteration. You can take somebody else's idea and remix it. I so like it needs that. to be, yeah, it needs to be new and it needs to be better. Mm-hmm. And so if you're willing to try something new and try something better, then that's what that's all about. D-I-T. And that's, yeah, and that's different than different because you could try something different, but it's not innovative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the T, the T is tech laden. That's where, how can we bring technology in in meaningful ways, not just for the sake of using technology, but, you know, find ways where it can improve our practice and improve learning for students. So D-I-T, different, innovative, tech laden. The C is creative. And, you know, um, creativity, uh, the definition that Sir Ken Robinson uses in his fantastic TED Talk is the the idea of um, their unique ideas that have value. And that can come in a variety of different ways. And I really believe that creativity is one of those skills that is going to serve students so well going into the future. And we've got to find ways to to make it fit. Mm-hmm. So D-I-T-C and the H is hands-on. And that just comes from my own experience of learning as a student, um, as a young student and as an adult learner, that the more that I can do things with my own two hands and not just hear about them, the better. So different, innovative tech-laden, creative, hands-on, D-I-T-C-H, ditch. I love it. And I have to tell you this too. The idea to turn burned in into an acronym came from Teach Like a Pirate Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, by Dave Burgess and by you, because I read both of those books that summer, Mm -hmm. by you with Ditch That Textbook, because I thought, I want to make sure that burned in means something, you know, that people can know if they, if they know the acronym, they know where they're going with this. And I was so helpful for me as a reader and a follower of you and Dave, that I knew through your books, through your acronyms, what your mission was. And, Mm -hmm. and it was just helpful to me. It was, it was a helpful reminder to me throughout the day when I was with my kids and I was planning lessons and doing all the things of of what it is that I wanted to bring into my classroom. So, so thank you again for that inspiration as well, as well as many other things um, in my career. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know, the acronym ditch very, very heavily was influenced by teach like a pirate for me. Mm -hmm. Also the pirate acronym led me to realize, Hey, I might not be a bad idea. It's just, you know, a lot of people are doing the acronym thing and sometimes it feels a little cliche, but I feel like it's a way to clarify your message and make it easy for people to put into practice. Absolutely. You you can't, you can't argue with that. Well, as humans, we, we think in, we think categorically. So it's just helpful to us as you know, as we're learning new things and trying to implement new things to be able to classify. So I think that especially with that, you know, ditch and pirate and burned in and, and whatever it is, it's just, it's a helpful tool mm-hmm. for those yes. teachers or, or for anyone totally really. So one more question. You have a teacher, whether it be a new teacher who's struggling, a, you know, teacher who's been teaching 10, 20 plus years, and they come to you and they say, Matt, I don't know if teaching is for me anymore. Please help me. If you have one piece of advice, what would you tell me to do? What would you say to them? That is a fantastic question. Um, 
I think I'm just coming up with this off the top of my head here. I don't have a prepared answer for this one, but I think <laughs> in this moment during this conversation, this is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, is to think back to what you got into teaching for in the first place. I think it's so easy for us to get disconnected from that original passion. And we forget about what made us decide to forsake money and forsake, you know, status or whatever it is else it is that you could get in other professions that doesn't come in teaching. And we wanted to forsake all of that for this, for the ability to pour ourselves and our lives and our souls into children's lives to make them better. And what was it that got you into that in the first place? Mm -hmm. Go back to that moment. And I think if you can reconnect with that, and if you're still passionate about that, then you're definitely in the right place. Even if you feel like you're in a rut currently, that could be your current state, but your current state doesn't have to be your overall passion. Mm -hmm. And so if the overall passion is still there, I think you're still an educator and you're still in the right place, even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment. It sounds like such sound advice, Matt, because it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Yes. And that's probably why mm -hmm. I said it. <laughs> that's probably why it mm -hmm. came to my mind. Yeah. Would you also tell people to uh, ditch that burnout? <laughs> ditch that burnout. Yes, absolutely. It sounds like you could just go through the whole ditch that textbook acronym and, and really use those to your advantage as a teacher who's trying to ditch that burnout. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that are being ditched anymore. You know, there we really ditched are. textbooks. There was a book that <laughs> Alice Keeler and I wrote called Ditch That Homework. Yes. I mean, yes. there's just all sorts of ditching going on. She was another one that I that I followed uh, very, very closely. Her and Christine Pinto were very influential to me as well. So I'll yeah. have to put their stuff in the show notes as well. So I think oh, we just came up with the title of this podcast episode. Yeah, that's right. Ditch that burnout. I think it's perfect. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little forced, but this one is not. This I one is perfect. This one is very organic. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. I, I know you've got to get going, uh, but I really quickly, I have to ask you a couple of the burned in teacher lightning round, this or that questions. All right. Okay. Are yes. you ready? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Soup or sandwich? Sandwich always. Yes, I agree. So much easier to eat on the run. Uh, card game or board game? Card game? Mm -hmm. What kind of card game? You better say euchre. I, I was about to say I've played <laughs> so much euchre in my life. Yes. I can play euchre mindlessly and keep up with it and have good conversations. That's amazing. For all of you non-Hoosiers, euchre is the card game of the Indiana state. So It is. All right. And finally, dine-in or delivery? Dine-in. Mm. What is your favorite restaurant in Indiana? Oh, my goodness. It depends on... No, I, I don't think there's a depends on now that I think about it. It's either Chipotle or Qdoba. Ooh. I am a burrito on the go kind of guy. But that's funny because I just said dine in and I said burrito on the go. But <laughs> I will sit down and eat it whenever possible. But you have the choice with that with that option yeah. there, right? Yeah, totally. Oh my goodness. Matt, I feel like you and I have way too many similarities not to meet in person and have a burrito and, and chat over, yeah. over some Yeah, we're going to do this at some point. <laughs> yes, yes, we're totally going to do it. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom and sharing your story. I just, I'm so grateful to actually get to talk with you one-on-one -on -one about our passions and our journeys. I, I'm so, so thankful. It's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. All right. Thanks again.
I clearly enjoyed that interview so much and took so much away from it. Number one, what an excellent story and testament to the fact that the greatest moves and changes in our mindset and our lives can come out of burnout. There's actually an analogy that I have that came actually out of a family vacation that we took this past summer to Sequoia National Park in California. I learned there that giant sequoias actually need fire to release seeds from their cones. They cannot grow without fire. So this is a great example of how we can rise from the ashes, start at rock bottom, and build our ideal reality. And I've said it before that when we are at our rock bottom, that is the time that we have the most opportunity for change. So speaking of change, let's talk about how we can ditch that burnout. So number one, Matt said that D stands for different. So let's think different. Let's do different. We can't keep doing the same things over and over and expect a different result, especially when we're talking about this one precious life that we have. Next is I, innovate. I love that Matt said that we can ideate our own future or we can model after someone else and make it better. This could be the next hour, the next month, the next year. It's totally up to you. And isn't it freeing to know that you have control over this? Next is T, tech laden. Use technology selfishly to learn, connect, and plan your future. I tell teachers all the time, yes, tech can make your lessons more engaging, but you can use it selfishly to be more efficient and to learn about so many things that can change your own life. Next is C, get creative. Create your future and your ideal life by taking the next best steps for you. And because you're in control, you get to create those steps for yourself. And finally, H, hands-on. You have to take action, which means getting your hands on your own life at school and personally so you can ditch that burnout. You can't have a hands-off approach when it comes to your own life. So I hope that helps you to understand that in 2019, I believe you can ditch that burnout. Go to burnedinteacher.com slash podcast slash episode 16. When you get there, sign up to receive your free download to record your reflections on how you can ditch your burnout. And of course, don't forget to jump into the Burned In Teacher Facebook group and share how you're ditching your burnout. That's it for this week's episode of the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next week, take a deep breath. You are your own hero. And you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on. If you want to be updated on the latest Burned In Teacher podcast episodes, don't forget to subscribe to the Burned In Teacher podcast on Google Play or iTunes. Also, please consider leaving a review and leave a rating so that other teachers who are feeling the burnout can find this podcast to help them feel supported as they continue their journey out of burnout. Thanks so much.